male voices don't have a monopoly on merit, man. Wow. Alliteration. That's, that's what that is. <laughs> but no, a pink cover doesn't make a book vapid. Exactly. Just like when BTS released Boy With Love. Oh my god. Oh actually, my god. Exactly. Oh, okay, fine. I'll be professional. Welcome everyone to Chicklet for Life. <laughs> Jesus, man. Yeah, okay. Like, that's... Yeah, that's the one. That's the that's the theme tune, like, man. Genuinely, for real. Oh my God, Katie, you must have done like so much work on that. Like not not really. Like I mean, there is there is a lot of stuff in the theme tunes I'd done before, and like those cuts were from cuts we'd taken out other episodes, and I was able to like put it together or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but using modern editing techniques, we can finish the movie without Millhouse. <laughs> like, yeah, genuinely. <laughs> like, like, no, like, no lie, dude. Like, th- genuinely, I think we should use that as, like, the theme tune, like, proper. Like, totally agree. Oh, my God. Yeah, no <laughs> arguments here. <laughs> like, that'd be really cool. Like, like, no lie, I was, like, genuinely beginning to run out of ideas. Like, it must be so tiring for, like, musicians to, like, proper musicians to come up with that stuff. Uh, okay, like, not gonna lie, proper musicians hurt a little bit, but you <laughs> 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 know what you mean? Like, like, how does like blind boy do it on Twitch the whole time? Uh, again with the blind boy, like since when is a bloke from Limerick with a bag on his head talking about mental health? Your jam, Katie. To be fair, though, Cloyd, that sounds exactly like Katie's jam. Yeah, like Sersha's recent thing for Conan O'Brien is way more troubling. Ew, the tall ginger guy that Hobie Young couldn't remember like his name. Him. Like, why are you calling Hobie, Hobie Young, man? Because that's what JK Opa calls him, Katie. Try to keep up. Jesus Christ. I, I mean, I just, I, oh, God. <laughs> well, Sersha, I, as a fellow ginger, am 100% behind this Conan O'Brien obsession. I feel, I feel so seen and validated well, right now. I mean, now. that was my main aim with this whole thing. Well, I mean, that makes perfect sense. None of this makes sense. Like, isn't he, like, really, really tall? Okay, Chloe. You're reaching there, like, dude. People be tall. No, but like, like really tall. Say that, like, like obscenely he tall. He's not obscenely tall. No one is obscenely tall, Chloe. And and if you think about it, Chloe, like one Mister John Jungkook would be super into how tall Conan is. Like, remember the time J.K. saw that super tall guy on the train and was like super jealous. Okay, okay. First of all, it's not pronounced jealous, it's pronounced bulopta, okay? And like, don't you think I don't see what you're doing? Don't you try to distract me talking about J.K. Alpah right now. Um, Even if we were to bring up the whole see-through pajama on V-Live incident. Oh my God, he was actually <laughs> trying to kill me. I genuinely can't. Like, what was he Dude, why would he do that to me at four o'clock in the afternoon? And I, I mean, I mean, Chloe, I mean, I bet most of our listeners didn't even see the live like we're talking about. Oh my God, you're right, Sarah. Oh my God, okay. <coughs> okay, 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 okay. So, yeah, right, okay. So, like, a few weeks ago, yeah, right, it's a few weeks ago now. I get this notification on my phone, yeah? And I think to myself, I think, oh, here, maybe it's just the next run BTS episode. No, like, see, like, I just can't handle how good that episode with the whole murder mystery in Joseon. Like, like, that was, oh, man, they're just so adorable. Katie! Like, I mean, like, I know, but, like, dudes. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. So I get my notification, and yeah, and I'm like, I hear I look at that in a bit, right? Uh, I'm in the middle of something right now. I don't remember what it was. Bore scrolling, probably. <laughs> probably. But like, and then, 
Kylie decides she's coming into my room looking for my good Fenty highlighter even though she knows she's not living anywhere near and when I was trying to get out her hair to like rape her out of the room like I ended up hitting off the notification on my phone and it was JK Opa in his jammies but his jammies were a seater and you could see his knickers Katie you could see his actual knickers and he did Bepsi Katie he did I've heard this so many times. I've never got For our listeners that are not familiar with the BTS track Silver Spoon or Bepsi. Did you know that that's the name of this like teeny tiny little bird in Korean? So like it means like try hard, like you need to try like... You need to fly twice as hard as the big birds to, to get ahead and stuff. Isn't that kind of what the whole song is about though? That like they call the boys Bepsi because they're getting ahead of themselves being from a small agency and being successful but back in the day anyway spoken like the only girl in the group that is not into guys like totally undistracted by all that trusting <laughs> Trusting, like, oh, I was trying to kill me. There was, there was thrusting, like, on the line. Oh, you didn't see Chloe's Instagram story then? <laughs> in his Citra jammies with his ninners on show. Trusting, like, it's not even a big deal. There, I need you to call the hospital right now, okay? <laughs> so, so what the paramedics are working on, Chloe? I'm not the soul persona play from beginning to end at my funeral, okay? N- not, not life goes on. Oh. <laughs> How can life go on after my untimely demise at the hands of the man I love? <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this is the last episode in our series on LGBTQ plus authors. Nice segue. <laughs> Thanks. I, I did really love this series. Like for real, man. Like I genuinely didn't think I'd learn this much. Like like I know we've talked about this a ton already. Like, but it just it sounds like it it does sound super trite to say that I had no idea what it was like to be a gay woman because like, <laughs> duh, obviously. But like, I don't know, just like tiny things, like like it it not being like norm. Well, I mean, like yeah. Th- th- it's not like it is normal though. like and that's the thing like but people people are, like looking at you and like smiling indulgently like they've done something amazing by like not wanting to call the police when like you're holding your girlfriend's hand or like the fact that people like sexualize you completely and like that the weirdness people feel or like fear even i just i just didn't notice I genuinely didn't think that that was out there and that's that is so on me and yeah 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 like and we we've all kind of talked about that like it's it's we don't want i'm gonna take my glasses off every time so like i always think it's gonna make sense to have them on under my earphones and then it's so uncomfortable but anyway that's not what we're here to talk about it's not oh man (laughs) you had some important points to bring up in that case i guess we'll never know now (laughs) like it's yeah no going back it's 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 not it's not that we like we certainly don't deserve a gold star for for realizing the continuing extent of of the difficulties that yeah people in in the lgbtq community face like but it's just yeah it's it's we 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 have a lot to learn obviously based on what we've talked about here and and actually like if it's okay with you, Clee, like, and seriously, you obviously do not have to answer this, but like, is all of that stuff, all of the stuff that we clearly hadn't thought about, the four of us um, haven't thought about, like, is, is that what you've been, like, worried about? Well, like, like, sort of, like, 
like the stuff where people just assume that the default is, you know, being hetero girl classic and and like feeling bad for me because I don't get male attention. You know, they just assume that I, like everyone else, want to be, you know, hetero girl classic now in cherry flavor. And yeah, the fact that I don't get male attention is something to feel bad about on my behalf. You know, I'm an object of pity because of that. Or like going on from there, like if, if say people in the town knew that I was out and like if I did have a girlfriend, you know, and we were walking up the, the main street, like, yeah, people would look. And, and and even outside of here where there are like laws and stuff to protect us, but like maybe there are parts of the world that we couldn't go, that like a hetero couple could go to without thinking twice about it like I can't believe that I genuinely like hadn't been thinking about that like why am I thinking about that like all the time like why am I walking around thinking that being why am I walking around thinking that being like me is the normal thing and being anything else is like a weird thing like it's just it's it's so bleeding lazy is what it is. Yeah, like that's the biggest thing for me too. Like like it's just like and that's the thing about like all of this like wokery stuff. Like it's it's not about following rules, in my opinion anyway. Like not really. It's about learning kind of why you need to be kind and yeah, aware of what people are going through so that you have basis for kindness like, you know dude you should be kind to everyone but like fucking duh Katie but like when you know someone has gone through something or like is susceptible to something you have context for what your kindness needs to look like like if you know someone has a bruised eardrum you're going to speak super quietly around them for fuck's sake that's all I'm saying I know <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah but yeah we've yeah we've 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 looked at um some some pretty tough reads um, as part of this series. And yeah, like we said, we found a lot to think about, uh, a lot to read further into. Oh my God, yes. Like there's so much reading I want to do about like the, the gay experience like prior to the 90s, like especially in Ireland. Like did you know that like homosexuality was only decriminalised here in 1993? Senator Norris started campaigning in 1977. That's like 16 years. That's crazy. Right? Like yeah, I looked that up too. It was it was defined, homosexuality was Defined as a mental illness recognised by the World Health Organisation until 1990. Like 1990, man. Mobile phones had been invented. Tupac was, you know, coming up. This is this is crazy stuff. And like, like treatment was like, and treatment was like here and like in England and like Northern Europe and stuff. And like, it included like particular psychotherapies and like aversion therapies like involving like electric shocks and stuff when people were exposed to images of of same-sex couples and stuff like jesus christ mind like oh but 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 here in ireland 
it's actually super weird. Things have come like a really long way, like on, on paper anyway. Like we're after like as a country passing the Marriage Equality Act a good like what, six years ago? And now? like my dad do not bat a eyelid when he sees blokes kissing on the AIB mortgage ads. Advertising works. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Yay, capitalism. But yeah, that's that's the context, the the, the normalization of, of same-sex couples and marriage here in Ireland, not capitalism. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the context we wanted to talk about today. Um, yeah, we've talked a lot about kind of where where folks have come from in in the LGBTQ struggle. But today we wanted to look at where we are right now, particularly in Ireland, and uh, with Kira Smith's The Falling in Love montage. We're talking about a girl our age, living her life, dealing with the reality of like being gay in Ireland, like right here, right now, which is which is pretty awesome, you know. Yeah, we've we've been on a we've been on a pretty strict diet of American voices so far, and and historical hard stuff, and and getting a current Irish perspective is is just pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I didn't expect to notice as much of a difference in like the voices and stuff, but like, or to to recognize Sirsha as as a character as much as I did. I actually not not to cut across you, but we should get some basic information out of the way before we get into the whole Sersha Sersha debate. I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I mean it's it's not how you say my name, but you know, I'm fine with it. <laughs> so so our author uh, this time around, as I said, is Kira Smith, who Oh another killer segue, Dara Sarah <laughs> <laughs> studied drama, teaching, and then social work at university. She thought she didn't know what she wanted to be when she grew up. She became a writer so she wouldn't have to grow up. She enjoys jigging, verb, to complete a jigsaw puzzle. <gasps> like Yugi Young did in that one episode with Nam Junior has sexy arse in them trousers. How does he do that? What's wrong Where's with you? Up? Stop talking. Flint. <laughs> <laughs> Jigsaw. <laughs> um, playing the violin badly and having serious conversations with her pets. Kira has lived in Belfast for over 10 years and still doesn't really know her way around. I love her. I just love her so much. Like, I just can't. She became a writer so she wouldn't have to grow up. Might be the best, like, CV line anyone has ever written. Like, genuinely. This this is going to be quite the love Yeah, fasten your seatbelts, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but, but our book, yeah, our book is is The Falling in Love Montage, which is... Oh, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> tree for tree. 17-year-old <laughs> um, Sersha has finished with exams and is facing a long, hot summer before uni. She plans to party, get drunk, watch horror movies and forget all her troubles by kissing girls. Ever since the break apocalypse with her ex Hannah, she's been alone and angry dealing with the hole left in her family by her sick mother's absence. Worse, dad drops a bombshell. He's remarrying at the end of the summer. Enter the scene. Ruby, who might just be the prettiest girl search has ever seen. A rom-com fan and a believer in true love, Ruby challenges cynical Saoirse to try a summer romance with the serious parts left out, just like in the movies. But what happens when the falling in love montage ends? Like, I really do feel like that does get the tone of the book across, but like, like also not somehow. Yeah, like you can't really see the like, existential angst that's like under Saoirse's attitude like okay okay one 
What Would You Know About Existential Angst with your happy, clappy family and college grants, okay? And two, I will proper never get used to hearing Saoirse pronounced that way. Like, never. Or like, I mean, I really, really appreciate that, Clary. But also, I do think it's kind of important to, like, point out that you kind of say my name closest to Saoirse out of, like, the five of us. What? <laughs> I do not say Saoirse. I say Saoirse. Oh, hi. It's totally different. Yeah, you're right. I'm so sorry. That is totally different. So tempted to like get one of you to read the excerpts so you'd like have to say it. <laughs> no, 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 it's totally fine. We, I mean, we all agreed that Clee was going to do it anyway as like a gesture of culture solidarity. So, I mean, wouldn't want to get in the way of that. <laughs> I didn't know, Thursha, it sort of sounds like you really want to read it. Oh my God, would you look at the time? We're never going to get this episode finished. Oh my God, we better get started, Clee. Oh my God, like time is podcast minutes that we don't get paid for. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, okay. <clears throat> Here, okay, yeah. Um, so, I don't believe in love at first sight or soulmates or any of that guff you see in movies. You know, where you meet someone in an impossibly coincidental way and you lock eyes and true everlasting love ensues. I read a bunch of think pieces about how the romantic comedy is making a comeback, but I think it's just a 90s hangover trying to crawl its way back into relevance, like plastic chokers, glittery eyeshadow and TV reboots. I do believe in wanting to get the shift. You know, mall, snog, lobdegob, feek, meat, where, or as the French say, kiss. <laughs> that doesn't get its due as the beautiful phenomenon it is. Wanting to shift the life out of someone was about as much as I could hope for if I went to the post-exam party, but it wasn't enough to get me out of my fluffy socks and sweatpants. I was exhausted. I'd spent two grueling weeks sitting in, an, in a hall, an exam hall, but a hall nonetheless, a hall with no air conditioning and the mandatory exam period heat wave making me so sweaty my ties squelched every time I stood up. I hear you, Saoirse. True to form, however, Dad found a way to make putting on clothes and running away to a party an appealing prospect. Saoirse, his voice rang out. That's Saoirse, by the way. I know Saoirse Ronan's been on an international tour of duty telling everyone it's Saoirse, and God knows she's a national treasure, but it's Saoirse. It's really messing things up for all of the other Searshas in the country. I don't know why the poor girl won't pronounce her own name the way I want. I could hear the excitement in Dad's voice, but I needed another minute. My brain was so numb it wasn't sending any signals to the rest of my body. Everything I'd been storing in my head until a few hours ago was gone. This could be how it started. Or maybe this happened to everyone. What was the Franco-Prussian war about? Did I care anymore? Could I remember how to spell Württemberg? Unlikely. Saoirse, come on. Dad called again, the foot-stomping tone evident. I pasted a smile on my face and reminded myself that he was trying to be thoughtful for a change. I'd seen him put a bottle of champagne in the fridge when he got home from work a couple of hours ago. In October, assuming I got the bundle of A's I needed, I'd be moving across the pond to go to Oxford. Mum had studied there too. Dad was obsessed. He told everyone he met. 
Some people feigned interest. Others, like the postman, stopped ringing our doorbell. Thanks to Dad, whenever we got a package, we always had to go down to the depot. I think he thought it would be something nice for Mom and me to have in common. But good exam results were not the thing I was concerned about sharing with her. When I applied, Hannah and I had broken up very recently, so putting the Irish Sea between us seemed like a good idea at the time. Fast forward to June, and the increasingly real prospect of leaving Mum behind was giving me second thoughts. Actually, I was having second thoughts about the whole university malarkey altogether. But I couldn't tell Dad that. He'd flip his lid. We don't have champagne flutes, he said when I walked into the kitchen. He frowned at the mugs on the mug tree. The banana one or the stripy one? Our kitchen was bright and cosy with a wonky spice rack on the wall and clutter on every surface. Cookbooks with pages stuck together with sauce and crooked wooden cabinets that Grandad built because when we moved in here we didn't have money for things like redoing the kitchen. Dad was no cook though, so these days the spices were clumping together and there was dust collecting on the recipe books. The stripy one, I said. Right. He beamed and ran one hand through his hair, wavy and still black, even though he was nearly 45. In the exact moment of noticing it, I realised he must diet. So, history today, wasn't it? Was it what you'd hoped for? Bernadette Devlin and Bismarck? Yeah, I really don't want to dissect it. I'm fried. All right, all right. Let's toast instead. We have a lot to celebrate. I squeezed the cork out of the bottle with a satisfying pop. I had a lot to celebrate, technically. The last year of school had been hell, topped off with the leading cert, but it was now over and I would never have to go back there again. Dad, on the other hand, would not have realised my exams were over if the schedule hadn't been posted to the fridge for the last nine months. Ironically, he was always the one with the scatty memory. Your exams are over, he announced, holding his mug aloft, and you're going to Oxford. We don't know that, I said quickly, my stomach churning. I'm certain of it. You'll have the time of your life. He hesitated then and I could tell he was ramping up to something else. Suddenly, I knew what it was and my stomach did a giddy flip. I'd been begging him to let mom come home for months. He always had a million reasons why it didn't make sense. But for a second, my heart expanded to allow hope in. It wouldn't be perfect. I knew that. But it would be better than now. I could see her all day, not just a visit for an hour or two, which is not the same as living with someone. I could defer Oxford and make up for the time we'd lost this year. Then I'd be ready to go and everyone would be happy. I have some exciting news. I know it's going to come as a shock. I wanted to tell you before, but it's been so complicated and you've been so angry with me. His words were not making sense. I mean, yes, I'd been angry. Although I thought I'd hidden it remarkably well, seeing as how I hadn't snuck into his room at night and set it on fire. I hope you'll be happy for me. The glass in his hand and his voice wavered. Nothing good starts with, I hope you'll be happy for me. The phrase is loaded with the onset ending because you won't be happy for yourself. Saoirse, honey, I asked Bet to marry me. I dropped my mug on the table, champagne splashing out the top and forming a puddle. He set his down and held his hands up in surrender. Look, 
I know you haven't really gotten to know her yet, but you haven't given her a chance. My mouth opened as though I was trying to respond, but my brain did not have the capacity to produce language. I closed my mouth and did the only mature thing possible. I ran upstairs to my room. The small space between the door and the window wasn't long enough for pacing up and down to be satisfying, but I did my best. Smoke was practically coming out of my nose. I wondered if he'd follow me. When I started to feel dizzy, I stopped pacing and paused to see if I could hear his footsteps in the hall. After a few moments, I heard the TV coming to life, the sounds of a sports football game making their way through the ceiling. How could he do this to me? To mum? I conjured up everything I knew about Bet. She and my dad were having an affair. She worked at an advertising company. She was always trying to talk to me and I had to come up with ever more creative ways to avoid these friendly chats. I hated dad for being so weak, for betraying mom like that, for hopping into bed with the first replacement he could find, like you could just swap one woman out for another if she didn't suit you anymore. And the way he expected me to accept it was mind-blowing. But I never, in all this time, thought it was serious. I would have worried if she'd started coming around for dinner, or worse, she'd been staying here overnight, but they always went out. When he didn't come home, I tried not to think about why and concentrated on being grateful for the peace and quiet. On the edge of my bed, my finger hovered over Hannah's name in my contact list. I was so tempted to press call. Even after eight months, after everything that had happened, I really wanted to talk to her. I wanted to call and let myself sink into her voice, the words soothing me no matter what absurdly well-reasoned, totally emotionless thing she actually said. But I was longing for something that didn't exist anymore. That was the thing about breaking up. You think you're over it and then something happens and you feel the loss all over again. I put the phone down. There wasn't anybody else to tell. Don't go feeling all sorry for me or anything though. I hate that. It's the worst part of everyone knowing you have no friends. I really don't mind being alone. It's, it's the pity I can't bear. Once, about six weeks after the break apocalypse, I was alone in our form classroom eating a sandwich when my ex-best friend, Izzy, walked into the room. Now, sandwiches are literally the stuff of life. You can't beat food stuck between bread by a thick layer of butter. But there is nothing that looks more forlorn and pathetic than sitting alone eating a sandwich. It happens in films all the time. Whenever they want to show how sad and lonely a character is, they have them eat a sandwich at their desk or eat a sandwich on a park bench or eat a sandwich in front of the TV. So there I am with my sad sandwich in one hand, listening to a podcast about grisly murders, minding my own damn business and graffitiing male genitals in the desk with a compass in my other hand. I find that teachers assume it's boys who graffiti such things onto desks. If you are a girl inclined to deface school property, may I suggest the classic penis and balls as you will avoid suspicion due to stereotyping. Izzy was swinging a locker key around her finger and humming show tunes loud enough to penetrate the description of dismemberment playing through my headphones. I used to love her penchant for bursting into song, but when you fall out with someone, you can grow to hate the same things you once loved. I didn't look at her, but I could tell the moment when she noticed I was there. The air became thick and I knew she wasn't sure whether to avoid me or not. 
we'd had this huge fight over Hannah and I hadn't spoken to her in two weeks. I pretended not to notice her even though I was counting the awkward clonking seconds piling up. While her back was turned, I peeked. She was staring into her locker. Her shoulders sagged. I knew then that she was going to try to have a heart to heart with me. My options were to hastily try to wrap up my sandwich and get out of there or sit through the awkward attempt to reconnect. There was a small possibility that she'd start telling me off, but it was remote. Izzy is a gentle sort, not prone to confrontation. I was the cross me once, cold shoulder forever type. I'm a real catch. Did I mention that? Izzy pulled a chair around and sat opposite me. I removed my earbuds and sighed pointedly. Yes, I said, as if she were a teacher bothering me about missing homework, not one of my oldest friends. Saoirse, let's not do this. We're friends. Her face was open, vulnerable. She wanted me to drop the defences and tell her how I felt. I admit I thought about it. Cutting someone out takes a lot of energy. The last couple of weeks had been the loneliest I'd ever had. Everyone I could talk to was gone. Not just at school, but at home too. Trying to manage my feelings by myself after years of always having Hannah or Izzy to talk to felt like I was trying to shepherd a clutter of feral cats into a pen. But I couldn't trust Izzy anymore. It was just me and my cats and I would have to learn to be okay with that. We were friends, Izzy. So what? Now we have to be enemies because we disagreed on one thing. She put her hand over mine. Nothing has changed between you and me. I moved my hand away and crossed my arms. We're not enemies, Izzy, I said lightly, like it didn't bother me enough to get annoyed. We're not anything. You kept something really important for me. It wasn't my place to tell you, she said, for the 400th time. I know she really believed it too, but it was less than meaningless. I'm not mad, I lied. I don't care anymore. You can't go around letting people know they hurt your feelings. It gives them too much power. So what, you're going to spend the rest of the year alone, sitting in an empty classroom playing on your phone? There it was. The pity. I shrugged my best, I don't give a fuck shrug, and put my earbuds back in my ears, even though she didn't seem to be finished talking. Her forehead creased and her bottom lip quivered. The kind of face a child might make if you chopped the head off their favourite tie. I pressed the back button until I got to the place in the podcast where I'd stopped paying attention. Izzy waited a second. Keep fighting or give up. It was written all over her face. I pictured her finally getting annoyed with me and telling me to grow up, telling me that friendships don't just end like that. But she didn't. Because they do. I got annoyed with Izzy all over again thinking about that. When Hannah and I broke up, I lost Izzy too and it was all her fault. But in the intervening months, I'd learned a neat trick for managing all those pesky feelings. I pretended it never happened and focused on something else. Even if I didn't have any close friends left, it didn't mean I was a complete hermit who had to stay locked up in her room like an outcast. I scrolled through the messages on my phone and found the details of the after party I hadn't planned on going to. The combination of cheap vodka shots and girls feeling post-exam relief who may or may not want to experiment was now my best option for avoiding staring at my bedroom wall all night, avoiding awkwardness with dad and avoiding being stuck in an endless loop of my own thoughts. 
Since my breakup with Hannah, I've had a rule, you see. I point blank refuse to get into a relationship. An important addendum to this rule, a part B, if you will, is that I don't kiss lesbians or bi girls. I'm not saying they'd all fall in love with me or that they're all looking for a relationship, but it puts the possibility out there. If I cross that line, I'm asking for trouble. But I have a perfectly good thing going. Every girl in my school wants to see what it's like to kiss a girl knows, one, I'm super gay, and two, I won't try to date them afterwards. We kiss, we part ways, no one gets hurt. Win, win. Hannah, when we were friends, and before when we were more than friends, used to complain about girls like that. The ones who wanted to use me to see what it was like. And to be honest, there was a time when I would have agreed with her. Like when I was 14 and Gracie Bell Corbin said that she only did it because she wanted to be able to tell Oliver Quinn that she'd kissed a girl. I cried to Hannah for a week about that. But now, well, I have different priorities. As long as we both get what we want, no strings, just good old fashioned girl on girl kissing, then what's the problem? I still draw the line at girls who want to do it to make their boyfriends horny, but a girl who wants to satisfy her curiosity, I am all over that. Literally. I snorted when I finally found a message. Of course, it was good old Oliver Quinn's party. It was always his party. He had an enormous house and the only reason he didn't go to some fancy private school is because there wasn't one anywhere near us. So, if I ended up puking in his mother's rose bushes, that wouldn't be so terrible. Not that I'm still bitter or anything. The group text said to come any time after 10, which meant I'd be weirdly early, but if I didn't leave now, there was a possibility that Dad would intercept me and force me to have a deep and meaningful about his new fiancé. Just kidding. We would avoid the topic until we both grew so resentful that we'd shout terrible things at each other across the living room. That sweet father-daughter moment could wait. I pried my bedroom door open as quietly as possible and peered downstairs. The light from the living room flickered against the back wall of the hall. Open plan was a real bitch sometimes. The window it was then. I changed into something more suitable and laced my feet into black military boots. I felt kind of badass as I climbed out of the window. Dad would realise later, of course, and send me an annoyed text. He hated me sneaking out. As he figured it, he never actually stopped me from going anywhere, so the least I could do was tell him where I was going to be. But why confront today what you can argue about over breakfast tomorrow? You know how the Great Wall of China is visible from space. Well, Oliver's house was audible from space. It was heaving with people and pulsed like a heart. I could practically see the sound waves. I needn't have worried about being early. By the looks of things, half the kids had been here all day drinking since the exam finished at four. Why hadn't I think of that? The noise sucked me in like a black hole. Someone had hooked up their phone to enormous professional-grade speakers that stood outside the front door like odd modern sentinels. The music was so loud, I couldn't just hear it. I could feel it pounding inside my body, making my heart thump and rhythm with the beat. I liked it like that. I let myself get pulled into the orbit of people congregating in the garden, slipping in between bodies, suffocating in a blanket of smoke, aftershave and sweat. Being June in a heatwave, most people had opted for outdoors. It was still warm and bright at eight. Even so, once I'd gotten into the house, it was so crowded. Navigating my way to the kitchen was like a special round of the crystal maze or the zombie apocalypse. I had my eye out for Izzy or Hannah so I could avoid them if I had to, but neither had replied to the group message that went out, so I wasn't expecting them. Hands grabbed me and people called my name, but I couldn't see who they were. 
A squeeze through arms and legs and a tangle of intertwined people who had decided to foreplay was a spectator sport and they were putting on quite the show. The kitchen heaved like a living organism. People slithered over one another through gaps in clicks to reach the fridge or the door. It looked strangely choreographed and I felt out of place like a scientist observing it under a microscope instead of being part of it. Luckily, I'd been to many of Oliver's parties before and I knew where the solution would be. I skittered around two people who were basically dry humping against the kitchen island to reach the freezer. And sure enough, several bottles of vodka were nestled among the luxury ice cream and ice cube trays. If you're wondering what kind of kid has free booze at their party, it's the really rich kind. I pulled a blue bottle from under a bag of frozen peas and used my sleeve to wipe off the frost on the neck. I took an empty bottle of coke from my bag and started to fill it, clumsily spilling a little over the side. Is that yours? A girl had taken a stool at the kitchen island and I hadn't noticed her watching me. She'd been obscured by the humpers before. She had messy brown hair to her shoulders and most of it was flipped onto one side where it curved in a quiff over her head like she had the habit of running her hands through it. She was soft and round in her face and her body. I liked it. A gold lip ring drew my attention to her lips. Oliver owes me. I spoke far too quietly for the noise of the kitchen and gave her my crooked half-smile that always worked. She leaned over the counter to hear me better and I could see a hint of bubblegum pink lace peeking out of her top, which appeared to be an elaborate colourful scarf knotted like a halter top around her neck. I leaned forward too. Oh, does he? The girl seemed unconvinced, but maybe a little amused. She was cute even if she was an officer of the Vodka Crimes Unit. What's it to you? I watched her lips move as she replied. This is my uncle's house. I'm staying for the summer. I registered an English accent then that I definitely can't do, so that's why it's not part of this reading. I couldn't place it, but I knew it wasn't super posh and it wasn't northern. That was all of my English accent knowledge depleted. You're related to Oliver. How sad for you. I rubbed her shoulder sympathetically, casually, as if I wasn't noticing how soft her skin was. She locked eyes with me as I did. You'll need one of these, I said, and I poured us each a shot into, hopefully, clean plastic cups. I pressed one into her hand, letting my fingers linger for a second. I don't mind the heat sliding down my throat and into my belly, but she set hers down and sipped from a can of Sprite. Living life on the wild side, I remarked with a smirk. Is this the famous peer pressure I've heard so much about, she said. She leaned back, breaking out of my orbit. Damn. Are you the cool girl who's going to shove me in a locker because I don't drink? She laughed to herself and hopped off the stool. My eyes followed her to the door, taking in beachy waves in her hair, her bare shoulders and tight jeans hugging curves that made me bite my lip. Hard. What a dick. A quarter of my bottle of vodka and several dull conversations about exams later, I escaped upstairs. Technically, there was a baby gate with a makeshift sign warning not to go up, but there was a really long queue for the toilet, so I used my initiative. After I left the ornate bathroom, I stood on the landing, drawn to the faint sound of a piano coming from one of the rooms. (laughs) Oliver was in the music room. No surprise there. I'd found him there before. He threw these parties and then he'd invariably get bored and leave. He looked tired as he tinkled on the piano, and a half-empty drink sat on the lid, sweating into a coaster. He had a real glass, though there wasn't a single one to be found downstairs. So when are Mommy and Daddy getting back this time, sad little rich boy? I said, sitting beside him on the piano bench. He barely looked at me, but I caught a hint of a smile. Tomorrow, 
He tucked a lock of ashy blonde hair behind his ear. I think they're going to notice downstairs is kind of a bomb site, I said. I have a cleaner coming in the morning. Must be nice to have so much money you forget how to clean up after yourself, I sighed wistfully. Saoirse, it's nice to be rich enough that I'm not annoyed you stole a bottle of Ciroc 10 from me. He tapped the Coke bottle in my hand, which created an odd gap in the music. How he knew I'd filled it with his expensive vodka, I don't know. Let's call it an educated guess. Dude, this is vodka? It goes down like water. I bet. Besides, I said, stretching my arms overhead, you owe me. Still? His fingers fluttered over the keys impressively. Not that I'd ever tell him it was impressive, of course. Forever. You stole Gracie Bell Carbon from me and I never really got over it. My cold, shriveled heart still mourns for her. I'm sure. I hear there are plenty of girls since to take your mind off her. Oliver acted like I was some sort of lesbian playboy with a harem of curious ladies lining up each night. His perception of my sex life couldn't have been more wrong. I hadn't done anything more than a sneaky shift since Hannah and I split. Okay, the list of kissing partners was long, but so what? I think the indiscriminate snogging started the rumour that I was getting it regularly, but in truth, a bit of over-the-bra action was as far as it went. Oliver paused in his complicated sonata and then played the first confident notes of heart and soul. After a moment, I joined in, my fingers sloppy over the keys. I was tipsy and had missed half the notes, and Oliver laughed. We'd both gone to the same piano teacher at school when we were eight. Heart and soul was about as much as I could remember. I'd quit after a few weeks. Oliver had been practising, obviously. After our impromptu duet, we drank for a few silent moments. Oliver started playing again, and I took it as my cue to leave and continue my journey to the bathroom. When I reached the door, the music stopped abruptly, so I looked back. Oliver was frowning, fingers frozen, hovering above the keys. Her name was Gracie Bell Cicciarelli, he said. What? No, it wasn't. I shook my head emphatically, but after all the vodka, it made me kind of dizzy. Yeah, it was. Her dad was this big Italian dude. They had an ice cream place on the promenade. Cicciarelli's. Huh. Well, that doesn't even sound a bit like Corbin, does it? First love can be so confusing. Okay, look, I am sorry, but Oliver is actual boyfriend material. I don't care what any of you bitches say. Okay, you're worth more than access to a car and a steady supply of vodka. Like, I know you're being nice right now, Saoirse, and I feel that and I appreciate you, but I think we all can agree that, like, I'm really not. <laughs> before, before we get into that whole minefield. Minefield? It's really good vodka. <laughs> don't go. Don't go anywhere. And we'll be back in a few with more chiclet for life. No, but like real good vodka. Ever wonder what it would be like to play with Lego the way you used to? Not make the exact Millennium Falcon so that you can display it on your coffee table. We mean making a fantabulous car house with legs instead of wheels. Or a robot with people for arms. Or a multicoloured block of smaller blocks that has no purpose whatsoever because you have no imagination to speak of. Well, we at Playpen Therapy are here to help. Come visit us to play with our extensive bucket of Lego, student-sized ball pit and Friday bouncy castle to help you shake off your sense of post-pandemic dread and rediscover that lost sense of childhood wonder. Playpen Therapy at DUC. Write your own instructions. 
All Playtime therapy guests are required to sign indemnity waivers and follow strict safety instruction prior to playtime. Safety accessories sold separately. Do they mean like helmets and all? Like, like I think so. But like, why would they sell them? Don't they have to have them there so they don't get like sealed and all? Like, I'd like to think it's something to do with the fact that like toy ads have a message at the end about other stuff being sold separately and someone thought that that'd be funny as opposed to it actually being a thing. Okay, despite the fact that it's like genuinely not funny. Yeah. Like, it seems that way. But, like, do you all, like, weirdly want to go now, though, to see what it's about? Like, do they wear helmets? Like, I don't think I'll be able to sleep until I have that question answered. Oh, my God, like, this might be the best ad campaign since Tampax bought up every pair of white capri pants ever made on Earth. That, that is definitely what happened. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Chris Hedges has done a deep dive on it for The Atlantic. (laughs) In Arabic. Oh my god, does Chris Hedges speak Arabic? <laughs> what? Oh, um, the journalist Chris Hedges, he, um, yeah, he speaks Arabic. Okay. Go for him. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the, the falling in love montage. Our girl, Saoirse. Yeah, yeah, like it's, it was fun to read something, yeah, that was just like, like we were saying earlier, like like it's just like someone we know telling us about what was just going on with them. It's like, it's like the book was being like beamed directly into my brain. Yeah, like for real, it was all like super familiar. You, you went to a lot of host parties in mansions, Katie. Uh, the parties were in whore mansion, play. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, seriously, man, I was. Sergio, she was an interesting character, though. Yeah? Oh, do you not think so? Shit, man. I need to work on my interviewing skills. <laughs> oh, so, so you, you, you want me to keep going? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. So like she's obviously like really funny and cool and stuff. And like the way, yeah, just the way she talked and stuff. She she sounded like someone, yeah, I'd like to hang out with and all. But like, but like at the same time, like was she? How do you mean? Well, like... Like, she's really funny, yeah? And the idea that she can just say whatever she's thinking, like, that's... Like, yeah, I wish I could do that, but, like, at the same time, I... I don't know, like, how... How she is with her dad. Yeah, yeah. Need lift, bring food. I can't imagine saying something like that. Well, like, I mean, like, or is it, like, I can't imagine getting away with something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's actually, uh, yeah, like, that's kind of the difference. You're right. Like, Saoirse's dad sort of, I don't know, he, like, he lets it go. And, yeah, I, I, I kind of can't imagine a grown-up, like, letting that go. Right? Like, I just, I don't understand, like, the thinking behind it, kind of. Like, what thinking does there have to be? Like, they get on. Well, like, they don't get on. She's really, really mad at him for, like, good reason and all. But, like, they they get on. But, like, it's... But, like, it's just her and her dad. Like, it's not just her and her dad, but it but it is... Like, I don't, I don't really get how she's not freaked out by the fact that her dad is, like, the only, like, link she has to, like, home, I guess. Well, like... Her particular situation might play into that. Or, like, she doesn't 
have to worry about a future kind of exactly why is talking about well, like so yeah Saoirse is super mean to her dad yeah because she's super pissed off that her ma's in a nurse home yeah uh, yeah okay so for folks listening Saoirse's mom has severe early onset dementia we'll talk a bit more about that later but it means she needs round the clock care and is in a home for it and Saoirse is super super pissed at her dad for just like letting that happen and yeah she's like super mean to her dad as a result like even though it's just the two of them living together in the house Uh, like again like what people be mean to each other like my ma borrowed my michael Kors bag last week when she went out with her workmates and she spilled red wine all over the inside i haven't said a word to her since last friday still with the silent treatment man the loss is too fresh (laughs) katie i need time to grieve okay (laughs) but like that's different though it's you and your mom and your dad and kylie and grace and you're all there together getting stuck into stuff and working stuff out and having fights and all and and it doesn't matter but like say say at home for me yeah and now that the pubs are back open like I know they'll throw a daddy out at 11 because they have to but like still if we were if we were fighting or like I didn't know what I'm like supposed to do and st- like I like what, what would happen if something went wrong you know yeah like it's 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 you have to stay out in front of everything kind of like yeah I'd have thought like say for us I'd have thought that mom and dad wouldn't have needed to do so many shifts now that the COVID numbers are down and stuff but like they're still the hospital is still as busy I don't know if it's like backlogs I don't know it's they don't really talk about it I don't see them for them to talk about it but like I want to stay going to college I, I don't want things to change for me and like Derek isn't gonna make sure that there's food in the fridge and, and stuff and you just you, you just have to make it work you know you just have to you just have to make it work exactly because like what would happen if you didn't you guys like- but but with Sirsha's situation like she this is what we were talking about yeah so she can kind of be on a bit of a kamikaze path with it because the thing is it's not like she's yeah she's not thinking about how she's going to need to make her home life work if if her relationship with her dad breaks down since her mother's condition is hereditary she sort of doesn't know if she's going to be around like in her own head at least like for her own future yeah that would that would change things like you wouldn't you if you're not aware of your own surroundings do you have to plan for what if everything goes tits up with your life like Clay, do you think about that well you know when you're a bit old for you know a foster home <laughs> no no I mean like yeah like, like kind of like with, with daddy the way he is there's there's no and and sure mommy hasn't been on since Jesus since well before the first lockdown and it's not exactly like I do know where she is and stuff. You, you just, I don't know. You, you wonder, you wonder what you need to do to make sure that you, that things end up okay. It's not like, it's not like I can just, you know, drop everything and go traveling or, you know, go and live in a squat and be an artist or whatever. But no, 
Why didn't you want to do the whole Erasmus thing? Oh yeah, remember that, Sarah? Yeah, like I'm I'm genuinely certain that we like self sabotage that whole thing because we know that we genuinely can't go so we made balls of it sort of weirdly on purpose that that would be yeah yeah that would be that would be textbook all right like like, Sarah your folks like say that they thought you'd get on really well in like the states that is correct yes yes they did and then immediately after that they said they'd obviously never visit me because they can't stand Americans like it's all one big place uh which and also it makes absolutely no sense since their best visiting surgeon mate these days is from north carolina but you know whatever anyway i assume they just meant whichever place in the u.s we were going to go and live there well, i mean obviously <laughs> <laughs> no you guys like it's fine genuinely like it was just it was kind of weird and kind of awesome to to like read about someone that could talk to their folks like that it's just like yeah like that her dad doesn't need her to do anything for him or whatever that she could just kind of go around being who she was doing her own thing like without worrying about how she would affect him and about how it would come back to like bite her later exactly like, uh, but like, like the thing is though Chloe. yeah going back to her mom not being well no like clean no, it no Chloe we can talk about it later no like should you not be at home like do you need to come and stay with us like, like do you like, like not here like I shouldn't have said anything I'm sorry this isn't about me it, like it's not that man it's, we just um we don't need to be talking really personal stuff on air plus you know we're, we're running out of time like like Clee was saying yeah Saoirse is dealing with the fact that her mother was moved to a care home for like yeah round the clock care that's yeah given that that's what she needed and Saoirse is dealing with the fact that she might have the same condition in, yeah, pretty much the, the only way you'd expect. Yeah, yeah, total nihilism. Yeah, yeah, that rug really tied the room together. What? What rug? Obviously, you are not a golfer. What are you talking about? <laughs> They're quoting the Big Lebowski, Chloe. I don't know what it is about Jeff Bridges in that movie, but he would get it, man. Um, I mean, you do not have to tell me. Oh, okay. He owls. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, like, yeah. yeah Saoirse knew about her mom. Back to what we were talking about, girls. <laughs> Saoirse, she knew about her mom, yeah? And the chance that she might have the same thing. Like, she knew all that when she was with Hannah. What's, what's the difference? Like, why wasn't she all disconnected from, like, reality when she was with Hannah? And, like, only after. Why, why, why so different? Oh, I was thinking about this. Like, like if you, if you have something that's keeping you tied to where you are, you're kind of still okay. Like, say for me, back in semester one last year, before the whole student union thing went tits up and daddy started going, to, uh, like, before he got worse. Sleep, man. Um, and all that. Like, I was, I was grand. Like, <laughs> I was too grand. And, like, when everything fell apart, when that whole thing, when I got dragged on that radio show, no, it's grand. And, and, um, yeah, all that stuff and the Erasmus thing fell apart. No, all that. Like, and then when, once I managed to fail the exams, that Christmas like it was just sort of like it was like there was nothing left like kind of like why would you get up in the morning why why would you start anything from zero again like what was what was going to happen I was just and you know on top of that once daddy started getting worse and stuff and it's like maybe maybe I have to go home and 
mind him maybe the reason why he drinks so much is because there's nothing else to do there's no one there you know and like and like the whole thing with Saoirse and Hannah being like best mates and then girlfriends like Saoirse must have felt like they were going to go and live together and and Hannah'd be on board for doing what was needed for like Saoirse's mom because she knew her so well and like they they were going to it was going to be okay there was a plan you know but then her mom needing to go to the home Hannah and her breaking up her losing Izzy as part of it like it it makes sense that she wouldn't want to do anything then other than put in time until she loses her own mind Jesus man like do you not think so no like like that all that all makes sense it's just man it's all just so grim dude like did you feel like that when you and Aidan broke up, Sergio? Well, I mean, it's not really the same thing. I didn't have the the whole at home complications that Sergio has, but but there was that that drop thing. Like it's it's not like I was like countdown to my life being over or anything. I still had all of you guys and everyone at home and hockey and reading. And okay, okay. I'm going to need like five chicken nugget meals if you're going to keep going like this. Oh, too wholesome. Legitimately feel like I just ate a whole plate of broccoli right here. <laughs> <laughs> but what I was going to say <laughs> was that what I did really recognize was that whole like I suppose my first love isn't my soulmate thing love doesn't automatically solve everything loving someone isn't enough like loving someone romantically that's important i guess it's not enough to like change reality yeah like that was that was hard to like read about Sirsha's like mom and dad like like Sirsha takes it so hard that they can't stay together because her mom is so sick and like, I kind of agreed with her. Like, it's it it does look like he just doesn't love her enough because people do stay together through like comas and and big accidents where people get paralyzed and stuff. And and yeah, he can't do that. So like, that must mean he doesn't love her enough. But then. There are other things that kind of show that he does love her like loads, but he still doesn't like they still can't live together. So he doesn't love her enough. And it's really weird. Like, like when you think about like true love, you think like people stay together forever and ever, no matter what happens. But like, what if they don't, you know, like, does it make the person that doesn't stay a bad person? Because like. What if I was the, and this is so gross and selfish, but whatever. I'm just getting in here before Chloe. Um, Like, what if I was that person and I felt like I couldn't cope? So, and there was, the other person was okay with going into a home. They agreed that it was the best thing to do. Does that make me a bad person? And like, if if, if I was to stay against my will and maybe like never be happy, does that make me a good person in that situation? It's really, really confusing. So, like, if someone 
was to leave a family and kids and everything to make themselves happy because there's kind of no point in them staying because they'd be unhappy. Like, uh, um, well, well, like, I guess it, like, depends. I, I guess, like, everyone's situation is, like, d- different and stuff. But the fact that Saoirse finding out that love doesn't kind of conquer all, that's that's kind of your point, Saoirse and, and, and Katie. Yeah, and like, yeah, like, the fact that she finds out that, yeah, that, like, her relationship with Hannah isn't going to, like... Yeah, she kind of loses her support system when she figures that out. Like, that kind of gives us the whole basis for, like, the conflict in the book and that, like, she's she's crazy about Ruby and she, like, desperately needs human connection but can't get her head around the fact that she doesn't trust anyone. Like, that's that's kind of, that's the guts of it, right? Jesus, like, this would be such a dark book without the romantic comedy stuff. Like, um that was like really really smart and like also like super real like whenever anything majorly awful is going on like you do find a way to like have some sort of fun and like having the super sweet idea of like doing rom-com things because Ruby's into them and Sirsha isn't like it it forces Sirsha into like social situations like forces her into having fun and like forces her into facing her like grief over her mom's situation and like her like terror legitimate understandable terror of of what could happen to her yeah and like the contrast was was pretty cool too like the fact that she and ruby would be having like a really great time and then Saoirse's home life or her difficulty with like committing or sharing things about herself would flare up and you'd have like reading it you'd have this reaction of like dude like come on things were going so well like you're so into her just just let yourself be happy like for real and like i guess Yes, let's be real right now. Like, Ruby was, like, the legitimate hotness right here. I mean, being entirely yourself is, like, ridiculously sexy. Like, for real, man. Like, that scene where they went swimming. Oh, my actual God, girls. Like, I nearly proper slid off my chair. (laughs) Chloe! (laughs) It's it! (laughs) (laughs) It was primo sexual tension, though, in fairness. Uh, Genuinely, I do not know that I've ever wanted two characters to bang as much as I wanted Saoirse and Ruby to bang. Serious question. Who is hotter, Ruby or Kira the Hot Librarian from Juliet Takes a Breath? Oh, Serge. Nice. Like, obviously, Ruby, but... (laughs) (laughs) Is that that just because we got to know Ruby better, though? Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, she's not just sexy because she's, like, smoking hot. Oh, man, like, that dress she wears at the end. Katie! Why did you say at the end? That's not a spoiler, man. She's right, Chloe. Okay, 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 I'll let this one slide, all right, but here, don't you be giving out no spoilers, Katie Morphy, you ruin everything enough as it is, okay? Oh my God, <laughs> <you're> talking, man. <laughs> but like, yeah, the the fact that, yeah, that Ruby and, and Saoirse, like, they get on as well as they do, like that, it does, yeah, it does allow her to like challenge Saoirse, like, like you were saying, like to, to have fun and like not be so 
cut off from the rest of the world. Yeah, thank you, Kleena. That is what I was saying. Yeah, like that was yeah, that was really smart. Like having this story set up like that 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 the two girls would have this like set summer romance so Saoirse doesn't like need to worry about getting into something she can't handle and that yeah they'll just do the fun stuff that's in romantic comedies the falling in love montage precisely <laughs> like it was, yeah it was a really smart way to, to set it up to like allow Saoirse to like access all of the stuff she needed to access to like deal with like what was going on with her without it being like way like over the top dramatic or like unrealistic or anything like that like like at the times where Saoirse was being like like a bit of a bitch like but like understandably because she had so much stuff going on she like in the middle of it or like to break that like she ends up going and doing something super fun and cute because she's crazy about Ruby yeah like yeah yeah you're right like the yeah, giving her that star right there, signed Brian Cox, owner of stars. No, like for real, like that might actually be my favorite thing that's ever happened in any book ever, like ever. Uh, like favorite are Dan uh, Rachel's holiday, like riding in a taxi scene. Second favorite thing that's <laughs> happened in any book ever. Okay, <laughs> that's what I taught. No, but no, it is. It is interesting though. Yeah, Ruby. Yeah, like challenging Saoirse, like super directly challenging her to like get over herself yeah but like she does kind of say that to Saoirse and like is it like I kind of didn't like is it okay to say that to someone like to get over themselves like if they're like petrified that they're gonna get dementia and their life is gonna end at like 50 odd so like why bother building a future to begin with well like no obviously but it's but like oh god like it's more Saoirse's like living entirely in her head like she's a total prisoner there and she like can't process her feelings about her dad or the wedding or her mom or the breakup with Hannah or or anything like that like pretty much because she's cut herself off from people and experiences that don't seem like completely safe and like within her control yeah but that makes sense though like like she she wants to be around for her mom like as much as she can and all that like she can't she can't be going off being all open to all the experiences out there when she's got to, like, I don't know, think about how... Because she obviously wants to look after her mom on her own, like, not have her in, in a home. And, like, how how is she going to make that work? It, that's kind of my point. Like, like there's, there's this scene where we see Saoirse and her mom before, like, her mom goes to live at, like, the home. And, and they, they have this huge misunderstanding. Like, Saoirse's trying to look after her mom, look after the house. Her dad isn't there because, like, reasons. And it's just, it's just way too much for, like, a 16-year-old at the time, it would have been, like, to handle. And, like... I feel like that's kind of what Ruby's saying when she tells Saoirse to get over herself. And like the thing is, Ruby doesn't have all of the information. She doesn't have any of the information when she tells Saoirse to get over herself. But like by telling her that, like it's, she's not saying like, oh, deal with your issues. Like it's kind of more, you're not the single linchpin holding your reality together. Like you can let loose every once in a while and do something that you want to do that's meaningful for you only and like trust that other people are like 
telling you the truth or aren't out aiming to drop you or ignore you or like make your life worse somehow unless you're like totally keeping your eye on the ball all the time. Like Ruby's so, so good for Saoirse. Like it's, 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 it's pretty awesome. Like without it being feeling like contrived and stuff, it's just, yeah, it was a really like rewarding relationships to, to, to read about. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, and like, and the thing is as well, yeah, like by meeting Ruby and having Ruby be like all sweet and cool and interesting, like rounder, like Saoirse does get to meet like some other real class people because like then she's open to it. What? Like, dude, Ruby doesn't know anyone. Like, who could she introduce Saoirse to? Uh, how about Morris, my actual new best mate? Me and him are going to go speed dating when nightclubs are back open. So. <laughs> like, it is very hard to choose between him and Barb. Like, so, but so wise, so pure, so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> we'd, we'd like to avoid explaining who these characters are, so you have to uh, read the book to, to find out who they are. <laughs> No, 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 no. Like, no, seriously, it is, it is class. Like, in fairness, like, I had, I had this feeling that I do always have when I like go read like a YA book. Like that is, like that is just gonna be Twilight all over again. How dare you, sir? Like, I know, sir. Like, I mean, I, like first time round, like I proper ate them books like whole, oh, the hard same man. But like when you told me to go read them again, oh, sir, you didn't. No, 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 Sergio. It was a lesson hard learned. I needed it. Oh no, bad. Like so bad, Lena. Like <laughs> what? Why did they make Jacob be into the baby? Like it was. So- oh my god, girls, it was so weird. <laughs> <laughs> but like, no, but like, no, yeah, like I do, like I do think, like when I'm going to read like a YA book like that, yeah, it's going to be like real fluffy and like maybe a little bit weird, like maybe oversimplified and like. Like this, this was not simplified at all. Like all the existential crises and all the believable friendships and all the sexy, sexy sensual tension with no like, no sex before marriage kind of undertones or nothing. You know, nobody had a poor, fragile human pelvis that could be broken. It was all just very healthy, I thought. But at what cost, Chloe? What 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 you mean? Well, I, I mean, I don't think I can ever watch Love Actually again now. Like, dude, you absolutely should not have been watching it anyway, man. That scene with the signs is so weird and gross. And Martin McCutcheon is the hottest. <laughs> Why people be saying she chunky? I just don't understand. <laughs> oh my God, Katie, please, <laughs> Jesus Christ! In, okay. out, yeah, in. Okay, yeah, I, I, yeah, I did kind of almost black out right there. Thanks, thanks, Chloe. Thanks, man. Well. Like, I mean, it would have been would have been worth it, but like, still, <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> you guys, do you know what? Actually, look at the looking at the time and the level to which this whole conversation has degenerated. Like, I hate to say it, but like, I think we might have just reached the end of our series on LGBTQ plus authors right there. I mean, eight months for six episodes. It's yeah, that's probably. 
enough, right? Yeah, Elsie's holding down a job, managing her shitty mental and physical health with that whole sinus infection situation, just being her own cast and crew and marketing department. I think we can cut her a little slack. Well, like with the whole sleep hygiene thing, she's kind of getting sorted right now. I'd like to think we could be looking at a posting schedule again. Yeah, I was thinking about this. Like monthly should be doable, right? Like, yeah, like read the book, write the script, record the show, do the social media stuff. Like, I'd like to think that's a doable time frame. Okay, kids, you heard it here first. Elsie is going to aim to get our next series, which we're very excited about. Are we not, team? What is it again? My God, Chloe, you suggested this. Oh my God, we're going to do that? <laughs> yes, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So I suppose you should tell the people now, Chloe, that that would be appropriate restitution. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. All right, okay. <clears throat> so like, right, so my idea was and is, and what we're going to do now, I found out, is, so like, you know the way, right, where all the, like, tamed series we've been doing, we've been coming across authors that are just, like, proper, like, just the best. So, like, I was thinking, yeah, that we should just, like, do a series of, like, just them, like, just people, like, that are class. So, like, next up, like, we were going, were we going to start with Amita? horror book like she's the new book Amita Mori she's got one coming out Arya Winters and a Tiramisu of Death which might be the best title for any book like proper ever but we were going to Kylie's book as well right yes yeah we're going to take a look at Kylie's book um, we just we promised Amita we'd look at Arya in September kind of time frame and it's September now but the Borrow Bookshop Holiday, Kylie Dunbar's book who we love that's more of a summer book so it'd, it would make more sense to do that first well, well, like looking at the calendar like right now, like if we did that our new post timeline was like the third week of the month, then we'd we could do Kylie's book in like two weeks. We could just like hustle and get that done. And like then we'd do Arya like the week before it comes out in October. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I would like to take a second here to just talk about how much I love that we're discussing this in front of everyone right now. Oh yeah, none of this is getting cut. Well like people need to like see the thought that goes into this, Sirsha. Okay, like there, I heard the difference and I did not appreciate it. <laughs> okay, okay, so, so, so we'll be back the third week of September with Kylie Dunbar's... I love you, Kylie! Kylie <laughs> Dunbar's Borrow a Bookshop Holiday as the first of our, I don't know, people, we heart superloads series. Oh my God, can we like absolutely like properly call it that? <laughs> I, I don't see how we have a choice, my friend. <laughs> but that is it from us um, for, for today and, and for this series. Um, if, if you can, please do like and subscribe on your pod- podcast platform of choice. That's hard to say. Um, and, and reviews really do help. Um, just like likes and subscribes do. It, it helps other folks see the show um, and, and helps us grow and all that kind of stuff. Um, if, yeah, if you could leave a review. Oh my goodness, we would love you forever. But uh, <laughs> you, can also, you can also find us on Instagram at, at so Life Chicklet 4. Chicklet for Life was taken. It's very sad. Um, on Twitter at, at Chicklet for Life 1. Um, and on TikTok at Chicklet for Life. We were able to get it there. Yes. Hey. Um, we will see you guys later in September. Um, in the meantime, stay safe, stay hydrated, mask up where appropriate, leave all licensed premises at 11. Um, no matter how much you want to keep booze and they will lose their license. And oh, it would just be so sad. I have what? no idea what? where this sign off was. was taking me this is I'm just gonna stop I'm just gonna stop talking this is embarrassing how many listeners have you cost us right there man Uh, I don't think we had that many to begin with Katie still though oh you guys 
Alright lads, it's Bootsy here from Two Tours, One Chain. Summer's almost over, vaccines are rolling out and that can only mean one thing. You're gonna need your bike looked after. And the team here at Two Tours, One Chain are here to help. Need a puncture fixed? We'll sort it. Need your chain fixed? We'll fix it. And to get your bike repair needs to you even faster, we are working on building our Two Tours One Chain app. Visit tutorwonechain.duc.org.fakesite to learn more about all the class ways you can help us get on your phone. Imagine, imagine hearing me on your phone going, I you no hassle to get that sorted for you. Me, Putsy, from Two Tours One Chain on your phone saying that. Wouldn't that be mental? So like yeah, head on down to the website and see how you can help us make that happen. And come on down in the meantime to Two Tours One Chain. Our prices cannot be best. Two Tours One Chain.